Okay, we're back. It's the Paulini Perspective. Here we are. Is this the first full week that we have a name right now? I think so, because we decided on the name last week, right? Correct. So we're settled. Uh, this this uh, podcast is hosted by Patrick Polini, who is the GM of Fox 5. He's a runner and Twitter extraordinaire. I mean, I guess <laughs> it depends on who you're talking to. Some, uh, Twitter fail at times. I don't know. I need more followers, though. Well, we got to really, I mean, but that too, we've only really known your Twitter handle since what, last week? I think I've only known it since last week. Okay, we it took promoted. me three weeks to remember it. I have to write it down. we got to run promos about this all the time. Uh, you guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Sarah Fraser, co-hosting with Patrick and contributor here at Fox 5. Um, this show is all about news of the week, pop culture, and a lot of um, Patrick's tweets that basically we bring to discussion forum. Yes. And um, a side note, you have been like crazy busy. We've been talking about this every week, but it's kind of winding up. Is your LLS campaign um, for Leukemia Lymphoma Society here in D.C. You guys have been raising a ridiculous amount of money. And the ball, the gala, right, was this past weekend. Yeah, so the gala was Saturday night at the convention center, and we raised a little over $3 million. Patrick, that is crazy. I know. And that's when you say $3 million, is that just like this past year? That's just that event. So the week before, we raised $2.2 million with Students of the Year campaign. Oh, so my God. So just for the gala, you raised $3 yeah, million. Just for the gala. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then I'm personally raising, as you know, through the races I'm running. And I, we're just, um, we just went over to $35,000 mark. That's insane, Correct. which is amazing, and I'm sure in the grand scheme of all the research it, it, that has yeah. to be done, I mean, obviously three it pales million in comparison right. to three million. But it, as an individual, it's 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 great to see that people are coming out and giving for such a worthy cause. So I bet, yeah. I bet. Well, it looks like an amazing event. It, it was, it was. It's always an amazing event. It's you know, two thousand people. Um, the convention center's all decked out. The ballroom looks terrific. And um, it's a fun evening. And where mo- where's most of this donation coming from? Is it um, individual donations? Is it uh, auction item? I mean, it can't be like silent auction no, items. It's, it's got to be it's more. It's a combination. So individual donations, the tables, you know, they sell the tables sure. for the evening. Corporate donations. Um, so from a lot of different uh, auction items. The auction was terrific. Yeah. <clears throat> so I raised well over $200,000 just in the auction. That's unbelievable. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's a great, great cause, so um, and it's a great organization, so I'm proud to be part of it, and the station's proud to be part of it. So. Yeah, right. Everybody here at Fox 5, a yeah, lot of really, people are there. Yeah, it really rallies around it, and uh, when we do, obviously, other things, make a wish, and, um, um, and a lot of other worthy causes, but LLS is one of our main... Uh, focuses. Yeah, that was great. Um, a lot was going on in you your... You have to come tr- next year. I know. I will. I'll be... I know. I've missed, like, all the events. I, I You know, I wanted to get to your happy You're hour. You're too busy. <laughs> Yes, I have videos to make and, you know, crazy other podcast events to produce. Um, but look, this morning I was just asking you, because it was breaking news, that Rex Tillerson is out and Mike Pompeo is going to be the new Secretary of State. So I wanted to see what you, if you had any thoughts on that. I know you haven't really tweeted about it before we get into the show, but yeah. were you surprised? Um, a little bit. I mean, I think as you're heading to North Korea, you know, in, in, in a few months, right. and, and that seems to be on the right track to fire your secretary of state. However, he's the president, and if he felt that on either tariffs or North Korea or other topics that Pompeo would be a, you know, serve him better moving forward, he has every right to do it. it, it it's, the, you know, we've talked about this week in and week out, the hysteria around what the president does 
I mean, listen, this is a major story. Right. No doubt. Replacing the Secretary of State with the director of the CIA is, is a major story. But it's just the whole, you know, everything else into it. What is this really about? What, you know, what's going on? You know, he, he felt Pompeo, him and Pompeo, and the president said it this morning, on a, a, he did a brief press conference before he boarded um, Air Force One. He said, him and Pompeo just hit it off. They have a chemistry. They're in sync. And as a boss, as a president, you want that person in, in the most powerful. You know, I mean, listen, right. the Secretary of State is uh, one of the, 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 the most important positions in, in the United States. So, um, it just, see, I mean, it will be interesting the timing, to see. The timing is interesting. I know. And Tillerson, I was saying to you, you know, just the little research that I've done and interviews that I've seen him seems like a very level-headed diplomatic person who obviously had a lot of, you know, experience, at least internationally, working with very powerful people negotiating deals for Exxon. So it was like... Well, it's interesting, though, when Trump nominated him for Secretary of State, the media and every pundit out there criticized it left and right. I mean, he went through one of the most contentious nomination uh, hearings because, oh, he's from an oil company. He doesn't have the experience on the world stage. Now, a year later, Trump fires him for Pompeo, and it's the opposite. So that that's what I mean. It's just like, get your story straight. <laughs> You know? Okay. <laughs> no, I, it's like no. You know. I well, I mean, I think too. You don't uh, you don't know a lot about these people initially. Like for me, I didn't know a lot about Rex Tillerson when he was initially Listen, he hired. He seems like a great guy, level headed. He did a fabulous job at Exxon, and, and and he'll make a lot, a lot of money going forward. Oh God, yeah, right. But I didn't realize about him that, you know, he had consulted with Obama before yeah. and, you know, George W. Bush. And, you know, he's been on the scene for a long time. So it and seems Pompe- like... And Pompeo's well thought of. It's not like he's putting someone in who, you know, hasn't been confirmed by the Senate before because he obviously just was for right, CIA, the CIA director. So, um, so we'll see. So actually, that brings up a good story that you were tweeting about, um, about Bob Woodward, the journalist, essentially saying that in this Trump era, more and more reporters are becoming unhinged, and that's a problem. It's it's a big problem. So tell me why you think that's a problem, because I read that article and I thought, well, Woodward is saying both ways, that people are either in love with Trump, reporters are in love with Trump, he can do no wrong, or the opposite, that they're looking to... I don't... A reporter shouldn't be either, like... what I think what Woodward was saying was that they're letting clearly letting their personal feelings toward the president enter into how they tell the story or what they report on, how they report on it, with the one-sided nature of it. And it's unprecedented, I think, in our history that this is how a lot of reporters have become, become unhinged, in, in Woodward's words. So... I've mentioned this before. I think it's a dangerous, dangerous trend that we're seeing in in the press. But isn't it hard? Don't you feel like it's so hard to be objective as a reporter, especially now when I think reporters more and more are asked to give opinions, to weigh in, you know? So it's like, how do you not let your own beliefs seep into that? Because, I mean, look at all morning shows, right? I mean, today's show, all these shows. Listen, I think the problem is, you know, some of the cable news channels are um, clearly Listen, some of it's marketing, too. I don't know what they're being told by, by their executives and, and how they should approach a story or what um, side of the story they're going to focus on. Um, but, no, to answer your question, I don't think it's hard. I don't. 
I, I don't. And I'm not just saying this because we're in local news here. Um, I think it's a reason why local news ratings are up. I think local news stations, specifically in, in you know, I could speak to our station, for our station, I should say, um, we really we really try to play it down the middle, and I think we do a very good job about with, with that. Now, some of the shows like Good Day at nine and Good Day at ten do have more opinion, and that's okay because you know what you're getting with those shows. But in our regular newscasts, I think we're focused heavily on really, you know, you know, really just given the facts. Here's what we know. Here's why, you know, why it's important, and and then. Um, Letting the viewer, you know, draw those conclusions, but um, but you could see it. I mean, it's so obvious in some cases with certain reporters. You know, they're like they're literally unhinged. Right. I'm not going to name them because because oh, really? of the position I'm in. Uh, <laughs> name, I, listen, I know it would make wait, wait, the it would make local, the pod it would make the podcast better if I named them. But on a local level or on a national level, because we obviously national level because uh, we work for Fox, right? So on a national level, the agenda is more of a conservative one. If you're a CM, well, CNN, I, listen, MSNBC, that's, that's, that's Fox News, and and listen, I uh, we're not Fox News, we're a local Fox affiliate. You know, we happen to be owned by the same company, no doubt, but. We're, we're 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 autonomous down here, and and I stand by that. We we really, you know, we're we're we we serve DC, right? Right, local, national, and obviously some of the national news here is local news. So it's yeah, know, right. Which You've crosses got... over, but well, listen, I think um, I think it's okay to give your, you know, your feelings on a story at, to a certain degree, but it's just the approach is just. Yeah, and, and listen, you know, I, I don't know how many reporters he was. Right, because Woodward didn't name names no, either, no, so no, it was nor, hard to say. Like, should who, it. you know, you. Know, I would think those reporters know who they are. I really do. And but well, I also definitely. think the problem is some of these so-called reporters aren't really reporters. Okay? Yeah, they're not. They're former, previous administration uh, officials who now act as reporters for certain news organizations. Clearly, they come in with, uh, I don't want to say an agenda, but they definitely come in with certain biases and, 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 and certainly opinions about the current administration that I do think impacts their reporting. Right. I know. And it's, um, no, I, you see it, and I think it's hard to, right now anyway, it's hard to find people, reporters, at least that's my perception as a viewer, that are diplomatic. I think if you asked a lot of Americans right now, name five truly down-the-middle national correspondents or anchors. Uh, They'd have a very difficult time naming, maybe naming two or three, never mind five. That's scary. Uh, okay, uh, okay, renaming them. No, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just racking my brain. I'm like, Peter Alexander, where do you stand? Um, no, <laughs> no, but I'm saying, like, right, and that goes for all. You right. Know? You know, listen, I think there's, there's several... But there's not enough, and I think that's a concern. Yeah, I, and I think that's what Woodward was saying. I, uh, you know, I, I think that's what he was trying to get at is that you know we have to get back to reporting the facts, and not all this other right. speculation and stuff surrounding it. I think that's great. It's and it's it, you know just the one go I had an investigator. And, and listen, that does not mean you shouldn't hold the administration accountable or this president accountable for what he does or doesn't do. Right. I absolutely should. 
I wish they held Obama as accountable as they're holding this president. Right. So, and and, and even going back to George W. So, um, but somehow, and we've talked about this, this president has just created an atmosphere. And, and look, <laughs> some well, of it's, it's his own fault. Right, right, right. His, you know, with his tweets and his fake news and... Well, in the background of entertainment, I think, you know... At, Regardless of how smart, qualified, uh, you know, great job that he's doing, I think it's very hard for people to accept somebody who ten years ago was judging a beauty pageant and, yeah, you know, and all the whole birther thing and every, listen. Right. By no means am I excusing all of that. Right. Not well, he's a great entertainer. I mean, I used to, I miss him on Howard Stern greatly, but he, he clearly has you know a certain process <laughs> that he goes through and. Um, <laughs> But but at the same time, you should still report it, you know. It's just like, all right, so he fires Tillerson today. Certain major news organization anchors or reporters were retweeting what he tweeted on December 1st about that Rex is not going anywhere. Okay? That's three and a half months ago. That's right, a, things that's, change. That's an eternity in political, in the political arena. Eternity. A lot has happened. Okay? And... So as of that day, he wasn't maybe thinking about, but it's, but instead of giving it context, they just tweeted out his past tweet. That's not reporting. That's, that's just saying, oh, this is what he said three months ago. Give some context to it as a reporter, right? right? Three and a half months is a long time in the political world, right? With North Korea and tariffs and a lot of other things going on. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. And I think and, it goes back or, to, or ask him about it. Right. Right. No, I don't. Now, listen. I didn't hear all the questions that were asked before he boarded the, the the helicopter, but ask him about it. You tweeted three months ago. Were you thinking about it then? What changed? Right. Right. That's a fair question. But just to tweet it out and be like, like in your face, hey, this is what you said three months ago. Right. Or what a, you know. I understand that. I think that's a fair point. Um, so moving on, one of the other things that was a big discussion this past week was the Oakland, California cafe that has banned um, uniformed police officers. They they refuse to serve them, which is kind of amazing in California. Um, it's just amazing to me. Because isn't that the whole thing of anti-discrimination? You know, you can't really discriminate against somebody. Unless you don't, unless they don't agree with you. <laughs> It's no, an interesting I, I, point, right? Are we kind of in this era of? Oh, we're in it. We're in it. This right. is one of my. This is one of my biggest. All right, well, go to it because I'm fascinated to hear your your perspective. Oh, on people it. are for tolerance unless they don't agree, unless that person or, or, or that organization doesn't agree with them. Then they're not for tolerance. This is disgusting. I mean, there's no other way to put this that a a public cafe in Oakland, California, by the way, the same city where the mayor gave a heads up. To, you know, for, uh, or, or actually alerted people that ICE was going to come raid, um, won't let cops get coffee in a cafe. But they'll be the first person if they were being robbed to call the police. So the ca- the cafe argues that essentially this is a way of holding police departments accountable. Oh, stop! <laughs> they're full. They're full of it. They're they're an embarrassment. Seriously, they're an embarrassment. They're an absolute embarrassment. Well, how can I'm? But here's what here's what I don't. They should, this is where, you want to call them liberals, Democrats, people on the left, are, are more organized than the people on the right. We should be protesting that cafe. People should be in front of that cafe with signs 
protesting, that's their position. But but they don't. Yeah. But do you feel like, okay, because we kind of talk about this, we talk about this with late night television, right? That people are turning it off, they don't want to be inundated with politics. But everybody seems to be taking a stand, right? Like one way or the other. Reporters, late night people. So, I mean, don't you just not, just don't go there. But don't support sta- them. But what stand are they taking? They're ta- they claim they're taking one against police brutality. That Oakland police also have had incidents where they have, the cafe alleges that they have racially profiled people, that there have been police brutality incidents. And this is their way of saying, look, you know what? We're also holding you accountable. Um, people feel uncomfortable when you're in here. Our patrons don't like it. They're on edge because of past behavior. They're f- they're whatever. It's disgusting. <laughs> They're, You're not buying any of that? not buying no. any of it. They're full of crap. Um, you know, whether it's a marketing ploy, I'm not sure, but... Um, well, I wouldn't think it would be a market. I mean, it's not a very good one. I mean, they have to be getting California, backlash. It is California, Right? I mean... It is California. This isn't Texas we're talking about. So, I, it, listen, that's just... It's unfortunate. I think it's, it's shameful. And I, I think... Um, I don't think anyone should support it. Uh, well, I think you're right. And, you know, the cafe has not responded to the police union's letter that was sent a couple of weeks ago requesting an explanation. Cafe managers have also recently declined any comments to news outlets there. Um, Oakland City Council member Noel Gallo, who represents um, the district there, spoke to the cafe managers on Thursday and confirmed it's still um, the business, unwritten policy not to serve the men and, and shame women on, in blue. And shame on anyone who goes in there to get coffee. Right. So, so both. Shame, shame on anyone who, who... I don't know how they can legally do that because, I, I mean, to me, if you if you decide, okay, we're not serving African-American people, we're not serving... I mean, that would be like a massive outrage. You just proved my point. So, yeah, no, I... <laughs> I, I mean, I think it is kind well, of crazy except for I think you can also vote with your money and I think a lot of people will vote with their money and they won't go there. Well, let's hope. We'll see, right? We'll see. Let, let, you know, listen, I think, I think most of Americans... Despite some of issues, some issues that you know police departments have had, and there's no doubting that um, historically, um, I think most Americans rely on police, and, and think most police officers are, uh, are are good human beings. So, yeah. um, so we'll see. But it's just, you know, listen, California is just a mess. I mean, don't even get me started in California, right? I mean, really, you're really. not moving to LA anytime oh. soon. You're not going to be the GM out there, okay? <laughs> Taxes and I mean, th- what issues don't they have? Seriously, like at some point, you look at that state and you say, "What's going well?" The weather, the, sort of. That sort of, right? <laughs> I love the weather and I love Hollywood. But, but like, I mean, you, you start saying to yourself, I mean, taxes are extremely high. They're broke. Cities are claiming bankruptcy. Tell me what's going well. The healthcare system is a disaster, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up some, you bring up some valid points. I just, I'm on the fence about the cafe one because I feel like we are at this place where like people are taking stands. You either support them, or you don't. There'll be people that will still go there. They don't care. Listen, I don't know the legality of it, but um, I wouldn't go there. So tell me, talk to me about this. You know, your tweets um, got the attention of Eleanor Holmes Norton here in the district this yeah. week when you were ta- when you were tweeting about DC TAG, which um, tuition assistance pro- uh, grant. Okay, and my understanding is a forty million dollar a year program. It essentially gives ten thousand dollar vouchers to DC residents so they can go to colleges 
out of state because D.C. isn't a state. Correct. So, I, you know, from... And 2,500 to private institutions. And you don't like this. And Trump has said he wants to get rid of it as no, well. No, I, I think it's a great program. What I don't... So, so <clears throat> what, what the new budget is proposing from the administration is it's a $40 million program, as you said. What they're proposing is $10 million comes off of it. D.C., the city of D.C. has to fund 25% of the program. Okay. Which, which I, they hadn't been doing they before. They had not been doing before. Okay. Which I think is a very fair request. Got it. And, you know, um, Congresswoman Norton has been very vocal on Twitter herself about promoting the program <laughs> and how this shouldn't be defunded. My point to her has been... No one's saying it's not a good program. So your argument, she's arguing to me, in my opinion, the wrong. She's spinning the argument. Okay. Trying to convince people that it's a great program, which I don't think is hard. Yes, it's a great program. Everybody seems to agree, right? It it serves, you know, lower income homes in a lot of cases. People who don't have a state institution can now go to a state institution. My problem is (laughs) D.C. has a surplus. They're taxing these residents as D.C. residents. They use it as a marketing tool to get people to either move in as their kids are going, you know, they're going to become empty nesters. Got it. They do have to live in the city a year before you're eligible. Or they're using it as a marketing tool to not have people move out a year before so then they can get in-state tuition in Virginia, Maryland, or what have you. Why shouldn't the city pay for some of that as a benefit to their residents who are paying city tax? But they might, they do pay for some of it. They, you're just saying that they should pay for more of it. Yeah, I think they should supplement the $10 million that the federal government wants to cut. Uh, so, I mean, my thing with this, though, is like okay, every state essentially offers either in-state tuition for kids that live there. Correct. Um, so everybody is getting a break, right? Which D.C. residents do, too. But size-wise, D.C. is like a much smaller population, mm-hmm. and the cost to live here is insane already. Right. So isn't that a big burden for D.C. residents and another $10 million in their budget? Like, where are they going to get that? Well, Do you well, want to pay the red light tickets? Well, hold on. There's states that are broke. D.C. has a surplus, right? And, and my tax dollars in Maryland support the Maryland state university system so if my my kid which he does go to a in-state school in maryland we made that decision those are those are my tax dollars helping to pay the feds aren't paying for that so i i just don't understand how the city wants to be a state and yet they don't want to fund some of this benefit that you know for for their own citizens so let the feds pay that seems like it's the, you know, at some point you got to, you know, you, you got to be judicious about where you spend your money. Do you think, though, if D.C. had statehood that this would still be an argument? Wouldn't they then have to take it on? I, I don't know because they have no state institutions, so that would be interesting to see. It's not like they have state institutions. So, right. um, and again, I, I want, I, my argument is not with the program. My argument is with this 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 if they have a surplus then they should be willing they should supplement some of the program if you think it's a great program i'm sure there's 10 million dollars they're wasting in dc trust me <laughs> they can be fine oh, by the way there's some backstory without boring people on this podcast you know 
in two in 2014 this program was audited and it did not do well there was money missing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars i believe that yeah which is not does that surprise anyone no dc so, has uh, that problem with almost any program right. so, that they so run that, that, that's so so there's multiple levels to my argument with her um but she retweeted me and said she got very angry and um, invited. She did. What did she say? What did there's she? Damn good reasons. Oh, is that what she responded? <laughs> for why DC shouldn't have to pay, but there's too many to tweet about. So if you want to come in, come meet with me. So I sent a note to her yesterday. Oh my and, god! Um, um, and um, I did hear back, and hopefully we're going to set up a meeting and. Is this going to be on the podcast? you got to bring a little uh, Zoom recorder. I'm hoping it. Well, i got to be careful with that. <laughs> well, start, like people disclose. Start recording people. On the record. <laughs> yeah, on the record. It's for the Polini perspective. I mean, you got to get out there. The, the other thing is, like, okay, this is an important program, but there's a lot of important programs out there, right? Let's, the school Everything system's a is, mess. Yeah. You know, Public transportation, the roads are a hot we com- mess. We completely moved on from Antoine Wilson, you know, in terms of what he was claiming. Old news. Old news, right? We just moved. Grasso went out we and moved uh, we moved on. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be curious to see what she has to say, like how she justifies it, because I'm sure there's a lot more detail that I don't know that would be interesting to and, and see. Listen, I'll be the first one. If, if, if I go meet with her and I find some real detail that is not available. Um, but Deborah Simmons, who writes for the Washington Times, um, she wrote an op-ed not too long ago, um, basically saying the same thing I did, that this is a program, you know what, DC, step up and fund it. Yeah, but she she wrote, the article was titled essentially the education con game. And she's saying the same thing uh, that you're saying, follow the money, right. and that you know they have had money issues. Um, yeah, and those are questions that Eleanor Holmes Norton has to answer. Absolutely. I would think. Um, you were also, this was like a recent tweet, you were upset that um, it looked like, I don't know if it was meteorologists or news stations that were naming snowstorms. Oh. I didn't know this was like a pet peeve of yours. It's seriously, it, ask Tucker Barnes. He gets angry about it. <laughs> Why do you not well, like basically naming? it's the Weather Channel marketing. You know, I mean, hurricane's fine, but we're naming every storm that heads to, like, come on. I think this one's called Skyler today. The Nor'easter. Yeah, right. It's a snowstorm. Relax, people. Like, we're naming, like, snowstorm Skyler. But aren't, isn't that the thing with meteorologists? They're kind of, like, weather junkies. They're, like, so into Actually, it. M- most meteorologists don't like the storms being named. They find it, like, like offensive. Really? Yeah. You so got, who's naming them? Just like Weather Channel. The we, so the Weather Channel's basically started this thing, yeah, and, and then they and then they roll through. Our, oh, I believe it's the Weather Channel. Yeah, but it's the Weather Channel. We'll do some fact checking. <laughs> <laughs> do some fact checking and find out. I didn't realize that meteorologists didn't like that. No, they don't. Did, Unless you work for the Weather Channel. Yeah, I didn't. Okay, I didn't realize that. Um, in pop culture news, did, have you been following? Did you watch it all? Um, O.J. Simpson, the Lost Confessions. You know what? Even though it was on Fox Network, I did not. You didn't. No. I would be so curious to I'm see. I'm so you done thought. with O.J. You know, and I feel bad for for Nicole Brown and the family, or no, her family. Obviously, I feel bad for her. But and the Goldmans that it and keeps the Goldmans. Being. It just keeps coming back, and we know we did it. What are we trying to like? Well, it was pretty good. It was. Yeah, I heard it I was mean, very good. I mean, just because it's you're seeing, like, I don't even know what you would describe him as. Narcissist, sociopath. I mean, I would imagine he's a combo of everything. He's because a psychopath, narcissist. I'm not, I'm not a, you know. 
psychologist, but you're watching somebody literally go from sort of third person, then saying that there was like a friend there to start talking in first person. It was just, I think, can from we, a can we talk about the worst prosecuted trial maybe in the history of America? I know that one was. I mean, like I know it was a long time ago, and these people have moved on, and we, you know, we've watched all the movies and the documentaries, and but man, I know, I know. I'm, hey, listen, I've said this a lot. If he did that in New York City, he'd be in jail right now. I just think that was a completely botched... They weren't ready for it, right? Don't you think? Because it was the first real high-profile trial that was then um, publicized on television. They were allowing cameras in the court. I mean, don't you think it was kind of a perfect storm? It was a perfect storm. I agree with that. It was a perfect storm. OJ was friends with police officers. You know, he was very friendly with them. Domestic violence... I mean, it was serious then, but not like it is now. I mean, they'd had many domestic disputes that kind of got dismissed or because of OJ, you know, who OJ was. Um, You have all that. And then, of course, you have the politics of it, of the Rodney King situation and race. Yeah, listen, I think you you said it right. It was the perfect storm to get him off, but... um but I do have it DVR'd, so I, I'll watch it. Yeah, it was it was pretty. I mean, I thought it was really great television. I really did. I thought it was actually, and I know there was some discussion of oh, should it have been aired or not? But I was actually like, why didn't they air this in two thousand and six? Actually, I think it would have put to bed. I don't think we would have even had this resurgent uh, resurgence of all these right. documentary if they'd actually aired it in two thousand and six, yeah. which was the irony. Yeah, I heard it was. I heard it was well done. I heard Solid Dad did a good job. Yeah, it was really. The discussions were really good. Um, all right, where can people follow you follow this podcast we're also working on our facebook group because we're going to be taking some topic so hopefully suggestions we'll have a graphic ready tomorrow for our facebook group awesome uh you could follow me on at patrick gm fox 5 dc on twitter uh and then we post this probably on Wednesday afternoon. Yep, you can always find it on fox5dc.com. Um, it's out on iTunes as iTunes. well. But we are we're working on that new graphic for the Polini perspective. Um, so, yes, please tweet and follow Patrick. Yeah, we've Topic got some really, really good feedback. Um, yeah. Good and bad. I mean, when I say good feedback, it could be... Who's giving us negative feedback? <laughs> but, no, I mean, so one of the things we're trying to do is, you know, get some... People Are you going to clap back at people that don't yeah, like this? I think we should. I th- and also, I think we want to get some people in here as a guest to uh, kind of go at it with, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spice it up a little. Yeah, please. I mean, I can argue with you all day about OJ, but I need some backup here on the, uh, <laughs> on the politics, <laughs> on the politics side. side. Yes, please. Um, so be sure to follow Patrick on Twitter. I'm at HeyFresh. We'll see you guys next week. And also uh, be looking to subscribe and give us a five-star review on iTunes as soon as you see the Polini Perspective. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you very much.